worship you, almighty God. You are God. You're a God above everything. You're the object of our worship. You're the Lord of our life. You are the King of kings. Lord, you are everything to us. And we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power, for your redemptive blessings. We thank you for the chains that you're bringing within us, Lord. Oh, God, the work that you're doing in our lives, the forgiveness of sin, the grace of Almighty God that cleanses us, that washes us white and makes us pure. I pray, oh, God, that you'll bless us today in your presence, that you'll just reveal yourself through the word, Lord, that you will just minister to us in a great way today as we look into the things of God, as we open up the pages of the Bible and we look into the depths of the Word. I pray, O oh God, that we'll take it then and digest it and become one with it. That, Lord, O oh God, it'll be something that's upon our lips from our hearts and we'll put into action in our lives. Bring healing and deliverance to your children today. Those that are sick and needy, those that are listening in, Lord, that we're reaching out around the world, that will be hearing this sermon, this message today. I pray that you'll touch lives and hearts in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, stir your bride today. Stir your people. Stir evening like tabernacle. Stir us from the least to the greatest, from the front to the back, from the back to the front. Just move in every heart and every life, Lord, and reveal yourself. Lift up the heavy burdens, Lord. Let them take and, and cast their cares upon you, for you care for them. May they see you as a loving God that changes not. That you, uh, your attitude toward them is the same as it was when you walked among men. You're the healer, deliverer, savior, the lover of our soul. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and be in his presence. And I just want to say we love the Lord today and thankful for each one of you that are here with us. And uh, last night I had a little special treat. I spoke to the Church of the Rising Sun in Japan in their morning service. It was last night for me, but morning for them. They're a lovely group, and I um, wonder if we have that picture there that um, they have uh, now rented a, a place that they have uh, us that is set aside for worship, and we continue to support the work in Japan and, and some of the translation works uh, that has went on there for some time. And I think we got like 300, we went from zero to 347 sermons of Brother Branham's in the, in the language of Japan so that the message can go to them and, and can deal with hearts and lives. So we thank the Lord for that. Amen. So we, are, we appreciate um, those that have went and uh, carried the word and the burden of the word and helped out in that, in that and see that we have a part invested in this, an extension of us. Evening Light Tabernacle that are there on the other side of the globe and they are, they are um, doing everything they can to get in step with the gospel of Christ. And Brother, um, Brother Fetimar, uh, he's a Filipino from the Philippines, but 
He resides there in Japan, and he has taken on the pastoralship there. And as you can see, it's kind of a multinational group. I think they have Portuguese and African and as well as Japanese and Chinese. And so, but you know, that's the way it is. God has um, no barriers as far as one race. There's one race, and that's the God race. Amen. Amen. And that's what we want to face upon is um, the God race. That's what we focus on. Now, the Bible said for these truths that we have to, to commit them to faithful men. And the gospel that God has given us, God has uh, also raised up faithful men that surround the ministry, that help us. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but some of you that sit in the mezzanine on that front row seat there, you know, it was really jammed close. And, and um, we had already tried to do something to make it comfortable. But I want to thank Brother Jim Morgan for his skills and expertise and reworking that for more a foot and leg room. It has just turned out so beautiful. I'm so proud of it. Thank you, Brother Jimbo. God bless you. Also, the Baxters and the Mitchells have made some beautiful trolleys to store and transport the chairs in the fellowship hall. And uh, they're just beautiful with uh, the most awesome craftsmanship. And to know we got welders like Brother Mark, Brother Jonathan Mitchell, and, and uh, these, these families are just always giving. And what a blessing they are to the body of Christ. So I want to say thank you from the depths of my heart. And not only that, but every one of you that do a part here, whether you're an unseen person up in the mezzanine and our, I mean, and the, the audio booth or the video booth, you know, without you, well, we couldn't, there's a lot we could not do. And so we want to thank you. And there's no one, there's no one great among us, but the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so we love him with all our hearts. So will you turn with me to Genesis chapter 18 and verse nine for our scripture reading this morning and, and uh, praying that God will bless you in a mighty way today. And that he will anoint his word to us. I see there's some of you back from different trips and things where you've been. And I pray that you came back refreshed from um, the, the meetings that you were in or wherever you have been. So um, may you just come and bring your lick of fire and put it together with ours this morning. And let's press on for the kingdom of God. Amen. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 9. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So the Bible does acknowledge circumstances amen these were the these were the circumstances that sarah and abraham were old and well stricken in age i can imagine that i'm not quite that old but i can imagine how that would be you know and it ceased to be with sarah after the manner of women therefore sarah laughed within herself saying after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything 
too hard for the Lord. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Listen, this is not going to be your ability. This is going to be me doing this. And then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. But, and he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. May God bless you as you're seated. I am going to speak this morning, maybe it's a little odd text, but I'm going to speak on Sarah. Watch your tongue. You see, Sarah, within her heart or within herself, um, she was thinking things that was out of step with what God's word had said. God had just said something very clearly and precisely, and here in the very face of God, she doubts, and she not only just doubt, but within herself, she actually laughs, and that word is scoffs. She actually mocks or laughs, you know, within herself. She doesn't do it in a show. It's just something that is, uh, that she's within herself that she is thinking, and she mockingly laughs, you know, and, and thinking just how ridiculous can this be? You know, how, how impossible in her... And these thoughts get called out by God. Because Brother Branham tells us that the angel of God uh, told him to let us know that our thoughts are louder in heaven than our words are on the earth. So you want to really keep your, your words uh, pure, but you also want to keep your thinking right. You see, thinking right is your duty to God, and then doing right is your duty to yourself, and then after that, you know, you will come out right. So, but Sarah in her heart is, um, is scoffing, and she's doubting in the face of God, and, and then not only that, but and, uh, she basically, uh, when the, she's confronted with the word, saying, but oh yeah, this is your problem, this is what you're doing, she denies it in the face of God, and basically calls God a liar. And, and I, I want you to understand, God is holy and he cannot stand sin. And unbelief is the root of sin. And, and so, again, um, as Brother Branham refers to this, and I'm going to read about three quotes from that word that he refers to this very situation. And he says, the church is going to be there without spot or wrinkle. In other words, not one sin or one doubt, no unbelief. See, and he says, the grace of God will do that. Now, if you notice this in this very thing, the grace of God overrode Sarah's unbelief. Amen. It overrode her even lying in the face of God and basically called him a liar that his word wasn't true. Right? Grace overrode it. I want you to understand, not only are we needing rapturing faith, we need rapturing grace. Amen. Because of our own inabilities to believe, our own human weaknesses to, to lift ourselves up into the promise of God. So he said it'll take grace, like he talked to Abraham when Sarah doubted him. Well, then he would have slain Sarah right there for doubting because that's the worst sin there is is unbelief. 
and the only sin. So Brother Branham explains to us that those others are attributes of sin. Smoking, drinking, lying, cussing, everything else, he said, is not sin. That's the attributes of sin. There's only one sin, and that's unbelief. And you and I are, even though we are the redeemed children of God, that we still need the blood. And we still need the grace of God, amen, to keep us from sin and keep us from sinning and producing the attributes of sin. But here again, we, every one of us, are sin by disbelieving the word of God, by, by not reaching and grabbing and claiming it as our, as our own, by doubting what God said. Now, I want to I deal with this a little bit because you're not alone with, with the dealing with doubts and unbelief. You're, you're not by yourself. The greatest prophets there has been, great men of God through the ages, this great woman of God doubted, disbelieved, questioned, wondered, pondered. That's human. And I want you to understand you're going to be a human still for a long time till your body's changed. And as long as you're in this body, you're going to be fighting against imaginations, against strongholds of the enemy, against doubt, against fear, against unbelief of all kinds, and you are going to have to constantly battle against it. You're going to have to watch out and keep changing your thinking, taking those thoughts captive, bringing them subject to the word of God. Now, she doubted, she laughed within herself, and when the angel discerned her through the tent, is that right? But why couldn't he take Sarah? Because she was part of Abraham. She, he would have to take Abraham too, and we're a part of Jesus. We're in the body of Christ. Our unbeliefs are excused if we do it ignorantly like she did, for she was scared. Now, notice what he said. He said, we are in Jesus we are in the body of Christ, and that's why that sin, or, or shall, I, shall I say, judgment should not strike us, or will not strike us, is because we're in Christ. Amen. We are part of a promise. We're part of a redemption plan, and God cannot abandon his plan of redemption. Hallelujah. Amen. He cannot predestinate you. And you are predestinated to a rapture. Come on. You are predestinated to sit with him on his throne. You are called of God to be an overcomer. And God has predestinated you to that. I want you to understand your destiny has been set. And there's nothing in between here and there that is going to keep you from fulfilling your destiny. Hallelujah. Because even in our weaknesses, grace is going to override it. You are highly favored of the Lord. And I want you to see yourself as highly favored. Called, blessed, chosen, ordained, consecrated, dedicated, sons of God, daughters of God. That's who you are. I don't care what the devil has been telling you. I don't even care what your own thinking is thinking. Amen. I'm weak. I'm not able. I can't do it. I have this inability. Look at my circumstances. Look at it. It's impossible. You've got to come back 
can look at this. Grace overrides your impossibilities. Brother Branham said, our sins would ruin us. We're talking about Christians. Amen. We're talking about Christians. Our sins would ruin us if we wasn't part of Christ. He can't strike the church because we are Christ. See, Sarah and Abraham were one and Christ and his church is one. Our sins are covered by his blood, by his faith, not ours. We're trusting in his finished work. Remember what he says to Sarah, I'm going to do this. I will return and I will give you a son. This is not your abilities. Remember, the only thing that that gave her strength was when she judged him faithful. Not that I can do this. Not that I'm the one able, but my God is able. If not for grace, where would we be? And we need it for rapture. I need grace. He said, let me give you a little grace here, brethren. I need a little grace. Amen. That minute, God would have killed Sarah for disbelieving that angel. Remember, unbelief is sin, and you approach and stand in the front of God. Remember, well, sin there will repel you or push you from his presence. And he said, God would have killed Sarah for disbelieving that angel. He didn't. Look at that angel went down and told Lot's wife not to look back and see what happened to her for her unbelief. See, but he couldn't take Sarah because she was part of Abraham. Amen. And today, unbelief, the unbelief with the real true church, true church, she has unbelief, but he can't touch her. We're in Jesus. You can't take the church without hurting Christ. He couldn't take Sarah without hurting Abraham. So grace covered it. Now, you know, there's one thing about God. He can't change his mind. If he sent Jonah down, down to Nineveh, he couldn't, he couldn't raise up Moses or get Elijah or get somebody else. He ordained Jonah to do this job. Amen? Amen. If God's ordained you to a, this day and this hour, he can't call up somebody else. Ain't nobody can take your place. Amen. You cannot be replaced. God had thoughts of you before the world began. And he cannot replace you with somebody else because that you are a failure. In fact, of the matter is, grace is going to take and change your life from failure to power. God could not change his mind. He had already told Abraham, Sarah's going to have a child. He'd already chosen Sarah. Nothing else could be done. So therefore, God has to go to work. God has to give grace. God has to give forgiveness. God has to give pardon. So you see, see, um, God has said he will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. 
And she will be a woman of faith. Amen. You're called by a prophet, that little faith woman. In God of this evil age, when he's talking about the evil age, he talks about you then. He said, that little faith woman. Amen. So you are, you are people of faith. Now, he will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. And when he comes, he says, I'm looking for faith. When I come back, I'm looking for faith. What do you think God's not going to get what he expects? If God expects something, don't you know it's going to come to pass? So if he said, I'm expecting faith when I come back, then he's going to have faith somewhere. And if he don't find faith, then he's got to bring the faith. Hallelujah. If you're lacking this morning, then the only one, you can't add a foot to your statue. You can't do nothing on your own. Then God will have to add it to you. And all you've got to do is just yield yourself to God and say, God, I'm yours. They can change my life. Now, God gets what he expects. Now, there's so many times, like Sarah, we're still faithless. She's still looking at herself instead of God, of whom there is nothing too hard for. Looking at her circumstances. This finally, this last quote on that subject from birth pains. Why did Sarah laugh concerning this baby? And Sarah come forth and said she didn't. But you did. And he would have killed her right there if she wasn't a part of Abraham. So would God slay us if we wasn't a part of Christ. But the mercies of Christ holds us all together, us doubters and perversions in the word. Amen. So you got to realize if you wasn't a part of his thoughts, if you wasn't a part of his plan, his word, you see, it might be different, but God has to fulfill his word. Amen. God cannot go back on his word. So instead of killing you or just abandoning his plan, God has to get us on board. He's got to get you to believe him. So he would send signs and wonders and miraculous, send a message to get us to believe and to start changing our thinking. And what I want you to do today is start changing your thinking about yourself, about who you are as a son of God or a daughter of God. You're not some downtrodden something. You're sons and daughters of the most high God. You're the queen of heaven. You're a princess. Amen. Now, you see, it, and to do that, we must change. We must have the right attitude toward the promise. And our thinking has to be corrected. And our hearts have to be turned. But, and it's so important about what we think and what we say. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. So death and life is in the power of your tongue. And, and you, you, you will eat the fruit of what you say. Are you with me? Amen. You, you, if you're prone to negativity, you're going to eat its fruits. Your tongue has the power to bring death or life. 
And, and if your confession will line up with God's word instead of your problems, then you will eat the fruit of life and the blessings that come from the word. But as long as you're thinking, you know, well, it'll never happen for me. I can never be blessed. You know, and the, everything bad always happens to me. I can't, I can't ever be prosperous. I, I can't ever walk in victory. As long as you're thinking that, you're going to eat the fruit of that. But you've got to have the mindset, amen, that I can do all things through Christ that empowers me. You've got to cast down your imaginations. You've got to cast, and, and anything, anything, any high thought that exalts itself against the word of God. And here Sarah had thoughts that it exalted itself, her problem, her age, her inability. And she exalted that over what God said. The Bible said in Proverbs 6.24, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So you see, saying the right thing, having the right attitude about the word is of vital importance and it can't be overemphasized. You want to be very careful even in your relationships, in your home, with your with the husband and wife. You want to be very careful about what, what your words are because, again, it, it can bring either sickness or it can bring health to a marriage. If you're always down and always fussing and always uh, bickering about this or, you know, pointing out uh, the faults or pointing out, you know, the, the limitations or, you know, uh, always down in the mouth about you will cause a, a, a health, bad health to your home, to your marriage, to your children. And not only that, you will pass that on to another generation. You know, some people are like, oh, Eeyore, you know, ain't nothing ever going to happen to me. Ain't nothing good ever happens for me. Oh, I can never get the blessings of God. You know, everybody's down on me. Oh, well, me. And they go through life with a whole mentality. And then you pass that on to your kids. They learn to be negative just like you. You want to watch what you say. Amen. Watch your tongue. Because gracious words are like honeycomb. They, they are their sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It'll energize you. Have, have, you, have you ever had somebody say something nice about you, something good about you, and it just energized you? You know, it, it just made you want to even be better. That's what you need to do with your children. Tell them how good they are, how wonderful they are. You know, how proud you are of them. Amen. Tell your daughter she's beautiful. She needs to hear it from the daddy. You're beautiful. You are loved. You're special. You're God's daughter. You're chosen. You're blessed. Your sons need to hear it. 
Are you going to be turned out like a failure? Don't tell your kid that. Tell them you're going to rise up above any problem, any crisis, any situation. You're going to defeat every enemy. You have been born to be victorious. It's health to the body. It's health to the marriage. A lot of marriages are ruined by negative comments. Can come from the husband or the wife. A lot of children are warped. They can never be good enough. They're always having to overcome some something, you know, from that was put on them, a cloud of doubt or unbelief. Don't do that. Speak faith to your children. Speak faith to yourself. Speak faith to your spouse. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying ignore circumstances. Yeah, things are tight, but he said he'll bless me. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I got this deal today. You know, warn your people. Uh, you know, that somebody was, uh, I guess, in good faith just trying to say, better warn your people. The, the economy's going to collapse and it's all going into failure. Well, what good can you do about it? My Jesus said, don't even worry about tomorrow. He said, you got enough evil for today. Why, why worry about tomorrow? Don't even think about it. There ain't nothing you can do to change it anyway. Come on. So what can you do? You can walk in grace. Let me tell you, if you'll stay in the promised land of faith in God's word, God will even bless you during famine. When the economy is bad, when banks are falling everywhere, God will make you to prosper. Brother John, it is the word. Amen. He told Isaac, remain in this land. He was tempted to go down to Egypt because of a famine. Remain in this land. And he planted during a drought. And God blessed it a hundredfold. When everybody else had crop failures, hallelujah, God's people had blessings because they stayed in the land of faith and believing. Now, even redeemed sons, I mean great men of God, even, I'll use Brother Branham for example. I'm going to use him a little bit here. And when he's thinking of Mark eleven twenty two, 22, and he's thinking about it, he has to have his thinking corrected. He has the wrong thoughts. You see, because any of us can have the wrong thoughts, thus the wrong attitude toward the Scripture. And he was looking at Mark eleven twenty two and 3 and saying, you know, well, that's, was, that was before the atonement. So, you know, it really doesn't apply to us because it would have to come through the atonement. And Jesus said that before the atonement and, and things like that. And God had to correct his thinking to show him that the lips of a man can be anointed to say the right things. Remember, had he right? Amen. You remember even when the fish was given back its life, you, we've heard the story. Most of you young people, I guess, would know. I hope you have read the, uh, the, the supernatural books because 
they should, they're, they're available for, for all of our young people to know of what God did in this generation. But you know, in there, um, Brother Branham was out fishing. They ran out of bait. And so they were trying to catch some little, little fish for bait. And, and so uh, Lyle well, Woods, one, one of uh, well, Banks' brother, was, was fishing with him in the boat. And he used too big of a hook. And, and it swallowed the, the, the hook. And he just jerked it out, right, this entrails right out through his mouth and flicked it out into the water and said, Oh, little fishy, you, you've shot your last wad. But you know, and, and um, Brother Branham is standing or, or there. He's already had a vision or a word from God saying, you're going to see the resurrection of a small animal. And so he already has this word, but he don't know where it's going to be. He thought maybe little Joseph had squeezed a cat and a little kitten there and dropped it and, and it died. And he thought maybe that was it, but it wasn't. You see, I want you to get something. Even prophets probe, wonder, how is this going to happen? Where does this fit in? When is this going to take place? And so he said, I, later he would say, I would have said, none, would have no more spoke to that fish than nothing if something hadn't spoke to me, to me first. But he, he said, what was it? He spoke that secondarily. Now, the, Brother Branham teaches us, and I'm probably going to do a sermon on this, about the written word and defeating the devil with the written word. But God gives us first the written word. But secondarily, he gives us prophets. And with that prophets, he gives visions. And also, secondarily, way of God speaking is through apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Actually, this morning as I preach, and if I, under the inspiration, I am prophesying. Amen, I'm speaking forth the word of God. The Bible calls it oracles of God or God using a man to speak through his lips, putting something on his heart to deal with yours. Amen. So you see, he spoke those secondarily by the Holy Spirit through the human lips and become the creative power of Almighty God because God said so. And it taken that way, how much more could he through if taken that way, how much more could he through the written word of the Lord God that was spoken through human lips as it was so, if thou can believe, how simple, just don't doubt it. So he said, if you take the word, take just the Bible scripture, just what is written in the word of God, amen, that it's actually greater than a secondary way, a prophecy or a vision or a prophet speaking, Amen, because it is first God's primary way of speaking to you through your Bible. That's why you ought to get in love with your Bible and read it and, and take it for yourself. God's speaking to you. Now, so now that's why, why we think on these things. We meditate on the word of God. Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. Now, Psalms 19, verse 14, let the word of my mouth, I want to read it to you, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Are you with me? Amen. So, again, let the words of my mouth, the meditation, what I think on, be acceptable. 
Because you're going to know my thoughts are louder in heaven than my words are on earth. So, you know, you're sitting there, you're thinking all these dark thoughts and unbelief. What's going through the halls of heaven? That's why you need a shield of blood. But that's also why you need to stop for a moment and quit thinking those kind of thoughts. Amen. But think on things that are acceptable in his sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So be careful what you think about. Maybe you guard your tongue, but you're sinning with your thoughts. Maybe you don't even say it. But this is what you're dwelling on or what you're thinking about. What you're meditating on. Now, let's talk about what we have been prophesied to be. We have been prophesied to be a super church. Insomuch that all the Bible prophecies will be fulfilled in us that speaks of the bride. And you must think of yourself as a super church. Come on now. To be a super church, you got to think of yourself as a super church. He called us bride. He said we are blessed. He calls us sons and daughters. It is he, the Bible said, it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. A lot of people say, well, don't call yourself the bride. You know, you keep saying bride, bride, bride. You know, you're trying to make yourself something. I'm not making myself nothing. He made me. He put the engagement ring on my finger before the foundation of the world. He chose me before I turned back and chose him. Come on. He loved me first when I was still unlovable, by the way. And he gave himself for me. So Brother Branham talks about the super race. He says, now this is what I'm trying to say to you. The law of reproduction brings forth of its kind. Now, if God planted word in this day through a prophet, how many believes he did? Then, of course, then the law of reproduction says, then there's got to be a word bride that comes forth. So these last days, the true church bride comes a headstone. He said, we'll be a super church, a super race as it nears the great headstone. They will, be, they will be so much like him until they will be in his very image in order to be united with him. They will be one. They will be the very manifestations of the word of the living God. That means they will be more than theology, but they will actually be the word in action. Listen, Brother Branham, the blood of Jesus so thoroughly cleanses that there's no trace of sin. I'm talking to the sinless, virtuous bride of Christ. Even though you know, you know you were doubting and you know you've been thinking wrong and you know you've been scoffing and saying, me, no, not me, never, I, I can't never do it. I'm too little, I'm unable, I'm not equipped, I'm not good enough, I've got a past. You see, you see, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sins. And the complete word of God rests within you that the command of their own voice is creative power. 
power because in them is the Holy Ghost. Think about that. The words that you speak have creative power. Amen. And, the, and this, this Holy Ghost is a creator and he makes things come to pass because he speaks the word and the word spoken becomes God in action. So there again, when you start speaking the word, it puts God into action. So the third pull we know is the opening of the word. We talk about it sometimes. We know there was the speaking of the squirrels, the healing of, of um, uh, Meta Branham and the, the, um, uh, the, the calming of the storm, all the other things that went along with it. Had he right and the salvation of her two boys. But so the, the, all of that shows the power that lays within the word. Amen. And so it is the opening of the word. It is the revealing of the mysteries. But it's not just restored truth and revealing mysteries, but there is a super anointing that comes with it. Now, I want to get with the word. Stay with me now. With the word that we have received comes a super anointing. With the third pull came a super anointing. Now, but of course, we're human. We're still here in these bodies. We still think a lot like humans. And we don't always think God thoughts. And we doubt and we fluster. We get agitated and worry and fear. Now, and not only that, we have some more problems. We have changed the message into lecturing. And sorry to say, but that's what too many preachers, many message preachers have done. They've left the word of preaching the power, and they're just, I'm just going to say it this way, unsophisticated lecturers, mixing psychology with the message. Now, I call them unsophisticated because most of them never went to school. Most of them aren't theologians, so they're not sophisticated. I'm not a sophisticated preacher either. I was called of God. I went to the same Bible school Jesus did. And all the prophets. Somebody help me preach. I didn't go through it like Paul did who studied under Gamaliel and had to forget all he knew. That he might learn Christ. Now, but, it, but let, me just say, let me just say this to, to these message preachers preaching psychology today. If you're going to teach psychology, then at least go to college for it. You know, these ignorant preachers who want to read a book and then try to implement it, implement it changing by changing behavior patterns of the people, that's like somebody reading a book on doing surgery and going to move my, remove my gallbladder or do a heart by, bypass and think they can implement it. You know, Brother Jonathan wants to be a doctor. That's his goal and his ambition. But I don't want him moving my gallbladder yet. He might be very smart and very studied and he might have read a few books on biology and how to do it. But he ain't experimenting on me. And I don't want no preacher. 
using his book-read theology or psychology on me and trying to reform my nature. Amen. But I want somebody who's experiencing the Holy Ghost who has met God that can lead me to Christ and have a baptism of the Holy Spirit that changes lives. That's what I want. So if you're going to teach the new birth, I say experience it first. So you know what you're talking about. Amen. I can't help you with psychology. I know nothing about it. But I can help you with a new birth because I've experienced it. Amen. Not only that, I've had many successful operations. Amen. This room is full of many successful operations. And three kinds of believers, Brother Brandon said, then there are those with the talents that is the great organizers, worldly wisdom. They preach the gospel, claim to smart man, intellectual. Listen, a man that's trained in that field, he's not a preacher, he's a lecturer, and that's the problem today. We have lectures. Jesus said, never said, go and train and do this. He said, go and preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow the preaching. See, that's not learned to make a lecture who can stand and just, my, put them uh, flowery things in and make you feel like you're sitting in the presence of an archangel. That isn't it. Having forms of godliness, you see, that's a lecture, not the Holy Spirit in action. Some little fellow that wouldn't know his ABCs might come down with the power of faith, with the word, and make the Holy Spirit do things that that man knows nothing about and deny it. See, there you are. Then he goes on and tells us, And today, the church ought to be Jesus Christ in action upon the earth. Because I live, you shall live also. My life in you. The works that I do, you'll do also. See, the church has to get to that place too. And he promised that it would do it. And it will. And it's got to come that way. So you see, that's what takes place. We've got to be that way. So Jesus Christ in action is what God will have and has in a bride. Amen. Do you you realize we are an invincible army? That's what he made us. By the anointing on us. What about David? He was invincible because of the anointing. He could break the yoke of the Philistine because of the anointing. I want you to understand with this anointing you can do all things. When you start letting the word start, anoint your thinking, anoint your thoughts, anoint your words, and then you begin to speak words that energize, that bring health, that bring life, that brings power. But we're, we, like Sarah, we doubt, we fluster, we get unnerved. Sarah kind of got unnerved and lied in the face of God, basically called him a liar. That was cerebral of him. Well, sorry to tell you, but Brother Branham also doubted and flustered. So do I. So does every human. So does every man of God. Every daughter of God. He's as hum- Brother Branham was as human as we are. 
Amen. Brother Branham said about prophets, they're not infallible men. They make mistakes. You're not infallible either. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. And if you ever hear the account of the squirrels, you will hear an account of a man questioning, wondering, doubting, and having to be convinced. I encourage you to listen to this. I want you to write it down. Take a note on it, even if you had to grab your phone to do it. Speak to this mountain in San Jose, California, November 23rd, 1959. I want you to listen to that. That's homework requirement of everybody. I'd play the whole tape this morning if I could have the time. But in Speak to This Mountain, you'll hear Brother Branham over and over and over and over telling of, of the creative power of God while he is still doubting, questioning, wondering, and yet when God can get him in obedience, he is speaking creation. But what is it? It was God showing us through the prophet that even though we get flustered and doubt that God's grace overrides our humanity. You see, we have a part in this to play. There's something we got to do. We got to believe in order for it to happen. And we don't believe that we're able, we believe he's able. This is what gave Sarah strength. She judged him faithful. He's the faithful God. He's the able God. There's nothing too hard for him. This is too hard for me. But not too hard for him. Now, so we have a part in play. You see, God could not bring forth the promised son without Sarah. He couldn't get another woman. He had to get Sarah to believe that she was the promised woman. And if God said, I'll have a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish, and you try, and you try, and you try, and you try, and you try. Listen, I, I want to tell you how much he expects out of you. He said these words, be ye therefore perfect. How perfect, Lord? As perfect as your Father in heaven. Now, that's the legalistic side of the coin. Whether they call it heads or tails, it's the legalistic side. And I can look at you and ask you, he said, be you therefore perfect. Are you perfect? Have you made mistakes? Is there imperfection in you? Why don't you try a little harder? What's the matter with you anyway? He said, be you therefore perfect. You're not going to make heaven unless you are. Now let me flip the coin. On the other coin is not legalism, it's grace. And grace says, you can't be perfect. So I'm going to make you perfect. And I'm going to declare, you're perfect in my sight. You're loved in my sight. Amen. As far as I'm concerned, you're perfect. You're my bride. You're my chosen. You're my elect. And my blood makes up for your lack. So therefore, you become as perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Hallelujah. But you see, 
We have a part in this to play. We have to be a people in action. A people who is casting down imagination. Every high thing that exalts itself against the word of God. Amen. So Brother Branham said, why did Jesus stand there and say to Mary and Martha, take away the stone? He was God and he could say, stone be no more. And it would have been no more. But she had to do something. And when, when he's, why did he stand there and look upon the harvest? And you believe he's the Lord of the harvest? He said to his disciples, you pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send labors into the harvest. In other words, you ask me to do what I'm going to do. God puts you in partnership with him for you to speak what his will is. In order to bring that will into existence. He said, we're buddies as a church. We got to do something ourselves. You got to do something. You got something to do. Here's the gospel. I know it. But if you just sit there and don't preach it, what good's it going to do? You got to do something. You got something to do. You got to make an effort. You say, well, I believe God can heal, but I just don't know. Stand up and let the word become your word and believe it. Don't reason it. Just believe it. But you've got to believe. And then that falls into an atmosphere of faith and has got to produce. Now, I want you to get understand. The word of God has seed, is a seed and it has power in it. Life within it. But the only way it can come forth, a seed has to be in the right atmosphere. And it has to be in the atmosphere of faith to produce. Now, when we, we all probably, if you're message believers and been around very long, you probably heard of Brother Branham having a vision of the silver-tipped grizzly and how that came to pass just exactly. But then again, he had another vision of a, of a brown bear. And he, he saw it and, and, and how big it was and described it and, and everything else and said, I, I was with some young fellows and so on like that. And, and I, I, I got this mammoth brown bear. Now that's the vision. Now I want to show you something. Here's the vision. Come on. The word of God is your vision. It speaks of you. Amen. Now, Brother Branham, because, and he calls it because of frustration and doubting and not acting like a servant, he said the vision came and came to pass just exactly, but he said, I was not standing there because my faith would not move me up into that place. So Brother Branham never collected that bear, though he had a vision of it. Now, and he would stand in the message countdown, and he'd say, uh, and, and in his presence, there's three of them right there in a row, right after he comes off of that hunting trip, and he says, I apologize before God and the people of being stupid and making many mistakes. He looks at what he has done. He's missed a vision. 
He has disobeyed the word of God. And because he disobeyed it, didn't walk with the vision, he wasn't blessed. You know, God gives a vision of your healing. But if you don't walk with it, if you don't accept it as your own, if you don't, if you don't move up into that, it's going to happen for somebody. And it could happen for you because it's for all believers. But you can sit there and doubt. Say, well, maybe next time, maybe another day, make excuses. Well, my problem's worse. It's too hard. You know, nobody like mine has ever overcome this. In the message countdown, Brother Branham said, he said, uh, going on 32 years of ministry, I've tried to stay true to the word. I don't know one thing I've had to alter on because I've read it out of the Bible and just what the Bible said uh, and let it go like that. And I hadn't had to take it back or rearrange because I said it just the way the Bible says it. And I find out if God has spoken anything, then we must go with that word in order to make it be fulfilled. Now he's referencing missing his vision. We've seen that, as I told you last night, of a vision recently that he just apologized for being stupid. I'm just quoting what he said. And he says um, that, and he apologized for that, and he said, and he said we must go with that word to, in order to be fulfilled. We've just seen that, as I told you last night, of a vision just recently. I had to be there and warn him to be there and tell him he's six months before to be on that spot and stand there and say, go down there three times with them. And I just walked on with the other men and the vision passed right through exactly God's part and I was left standing. So we want to remember you got to stay on the word. Just stay right with the word. And where the word leads, you go right with that word and it'll bring you all out. So then in the night service and in his presence, he's praying and he's repenting. He said, my hand's up, Lord. What will I do? Now, Father, I've got so many things I do wrong. I've just confessed my sin this morning before the church as I confessed it to you on the top of the mountain the other morning when it was blowing and snowing up there on the top of the mountain to how I cried out and asked you to forgive me for my stupidity. And I had dreaded to come before my brother, who I, some of them regard me as your prophet servant. And Lord, how I hated to come before them and tell them of a stupid act that I would do a thing like that. But God is good for my soul that I confess my sins and not hide them. So to be honest with you and right before the people, I've confessed it. Lord, I'm wrong. I'm altogether wrong. And I pray forgiveness. This is a prophet. Because Elijah was a man of like passion as we all are. Come on. He had his ups and downs. He had his faults, his failures. He had his shortcomings. And then, and of course, the squirrel's the same way that I just told you to go and listen to. It's very plain. You'll, you'll hear a man, say, you know, questioning, wondering, second-guessing himself. Pondered, was that the voice of God? Wasn't it not the voice of God? Am I imagining this or what is it? And, and so he doubted, he disbelieved, and he become flustered. But I want you to know this, though, that grace overrode it to show us that in this third pull, that in spite of our frustrations and our doubts, 
doubts and our fears and our unbelief that God comes along with grace and overrides it and sends a super anointing. Now, so with the third pull comes a super anointing. With this word comes a super anointing. It's more than a theology. And he said that as he was speaking there of them squirrels when I spoke, he said, hey, here come, I'll call it a super anointing swept over again. And I was almost off my feet and said, say what you will and it shall be given to you. I want you to know that God was anointing a man with words that would create and he would tell the experience of his experience to the Wright family where brother and sister Wright and their grown children, Edith and Hattie and Shelby, were, were present there with Banks Woods and they're sitting around the table and they're talking about how, he said that was same Jehovah Jireh trying to get his promise over to me. Trying, in other words, trying to show the power that's in this word and that, he, that I can speak my need just like Abraham spoke his need. Down at the foot of the mountain, and he said, The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And by words, he created a ram. God providing the sacrifice through his words. Get the, point, get the picture. Through his words. Amen. And here Abraham looks at it there and said, yeah, there's the fire and, and there, there's the wood, but where is the sacrifice? Isaac asked, and he said, the Lord himself will provide that. And God provided a ram. Listen, we talk about speaking squirrels into existence. It's, it's been done through the Old Testament. Somebody help me preach. You know that. A ram was spoken into existence. What do you think would happen when, he, when Moses took his rod and, and, he, and, he, and he hit the, uh, and, and, and called for flies or, or he called for mites or, or locusts or whatever? He was creating under the blood of bulls and goats. Well, how much more then when you're in the path of duty do you have the right to take the word and speak your need? Little Hattie hadn't said a word. She's just sitting there listening. But all of a sudden, she spoke out loud. Watch now, words. Watch your mouth, Sarah. What are you going to say, Hattie? You know, be easy to sit back there and say, well, you know, yeah, God can do that, I guess, but he don't do that today. Oh, Brother Branham, you're just trying to make yourself some prophet or something, you know. You made all this stuff up. Nobody even witnessed this. She could have said a lot of things. But when he said, this is, all I know it would have to be is Jehovah Jireh. And little Hattie was inspired to say, that's nothing but the truth. She just simply agreed. And she spoke it out loud. And when she spoke it, he said, I heard her voice as it swept from my ears. And he said, there come that super anointing over me. And it come again and said, the first time it ever happened on a human being. And I, and I said, I, the, I give you now what you ask. You have pleased the Lord with what you said. Yeah. 
Don't you want to please God with what you say? It'll cause the super anointing to come. The right attitude where you're sitting this morning, hearing the word preached, can actually move God on your behalf. Where that you receive your need met because of the attitude and the response back to the word of God. That's why it's so important to get the right kind of atmosphere in the church. Amen. Amen. With, with that, when that little fish was raised, Brother Brandon said, it's because them boys said the right thing. They were sitting there on the boat and they said, you know, um, we remember when that, that old woman up there, the little old lady up there on the hill, she's about 90 years old. And when we were little Jehovah's Witness boys, we used to go around, she'd give us bread and butter. Remember that old homemade bread? Said we ought to go up there and tell her we got saved. And he said, that was the right thing. Please catch this. It's just the way you say things. Sometimes it changes the whole setup. They said the right thing for just then. The Holy Spirit dropped upon me from the heaven somewhere and say, I said, thus saith the Lord. And Brother Branham there in that atmosphere where the right things were being said that pleased God brought an atmosphere that brought creation and life. It brought salvation to two boys. So you got to get in the spirit because the words that you say bring an atmosphere and so do the thoughts you think. The thoughts you think will create an atmosphere around you. You're thinking dark thoughts. There'll be a dark shadow hanging right around you. Amen. I don't want you to miss this, so wake up. So Brother Branham talks about it, and, and he talks about atmosphere. I want, I want to just, I want to talk about this because Brother Branham knew the importance of getting an atmosphere. He knew the importance of worship. And a lot of times people think, well, you know, Brother Tim, the way that y'all worship God and the way you're doing, uh, Brother Branham would have never done that. You don't even know, Brother Branham. You're judging it by your own Baptist or, or Catholic ideas. From preconceived denominational uh, idea. Brother Branham said, uh, and I want you to get this and speak to this mountain. He said, each night, you'll hear this on tape when you listen to it. He said, the, the Holy Spirit is here. Wherever you go, he's always there. Just remember, he's right here. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your attitude toward the word. Amen. And you're, you're the right mental attitude toward any divine promise will bring it to pass. If I can get you thinking right this morning. Amen. The word will come to pass for you. Healing will be yours. Deliverance will be yours. Victory will be yours. So listen, he said, he said, uh, Oh, he's always there. You'll never get away from him. David said, no matter where he made his bed, God was there. Because the angels of God are encamped about those that fear or reverence him. Just think, they, they just take their camp. They sat right down by you and watching you all the time. If you could just realize for a moment, you are in the presence of angels. Sarah, do you realize who you're talking to? Are we just another denominational group? Is that what we are? No, we are people that the pillar.
against this church. Amen, that the angels of God encamp about those that believe him. That we are in the presence of angels this morning. Watch now. Brother Bradham used an old term. We don't use it anymore, but you'll get it in a minute. We kind of changed it in this day, made it a little more politically correct, but I'm going to use it just the way he said it. And he said, um, he said, in our country down in the south, we have a lot of colored people that's very spiritual. And they come to my meetings sometimes and they sing a little song for me. And I remember there used to be a little, maybe an old colored sister. Ah, if she couldn't sing that. And just bring the Spirit of God into the midst of the people. Woo! She sung and brought the Spirit of God into the midst of the people. Creating atmospheres. And she sang all day, all night, the angels are watching over me. And oh, if she couldn't sing that. And then Brother Branham said, but you know, I was a starchy old Baptist and I just sat there and looked at it and grimaced. That ain't what he said. He said, so I just almost had to tie my hands to keep from ruining the meeting, just jumping up and down and screaming and running all over the place. Now, you didn't think I did that, did you? But I do. I don't, but he does it in me. And I believe that anybody felt the way I did, they'd do the same thing. It's just an experience. So this little sister singing would bring the spirit down and Brother Branham would respond to that by screaming and shouting and jumping all over the place and running all over the place. That's your prophet. That's my prophet. So in his opening prayer, he prays like this. Dear God, we are grateful to thee for the privilege of knowing thee as personal Savior, knowing we have passed from death into life. Then that spirit of Christ dwells in us and around us and among us, and we are his people that's called by his name. And the angels are watching over us day and night. They never leave. They're encamped about. And we can expect God to do most anything at any time because the presence of the angels of God who are commissioned by him to watch over us and care for us. And Father, we pray that the angels will take their place tonight by the side of each believer and all around down through the building. You see, because he taught us over and again, the right thinking brings the angels to the forefront. The right thinking makes you realize they're encamped about us, but it brings them, it makes them known. So when you get to thinking on him, when you get your attitude right, when you have the right atmosphere about you, it draws the presence of the angels to become manifested among you in power. Come on, church. You know, Brother Brennan told us, he said, you know, in these senses, because of sin in the beginning, we were blinded to the supernatural and, 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 and whatever, you know, with, with our first sense. But he said, when we leave from here, said, you know, and, and that's what I've always said, there's not going to be a, an atheist 
There's never an atheist after death. Everyone believes in God. A little bit too late. But everyone believes in God. One breath beyond here. All these earthly senses fade away that blinds us from seeing the supernatural realm. That angels are present. And Brother Branham said, he, he said, things that you don't know nothing about now, you see it plainly when you cross there, that veil. You don't understand it now because you're bumping into it. And you haven't got that sense. You just say, I feel real strange here. Look how it looks to me like I just want to cry or shout or something. It's the angels of the Lord. What? Amen. You think sometimes that's his flesh. Brother Brandon said it was the angels of the Lord that was causing them to shout or cry or worship because they were bumping into the angels. And when you begin to realize he's present, then things begin to happen. And when Hattie said the right thing, there was a super anointing swept on me and said, tell her she's found grace in, her sight, in God's sight. Tell her whatever she asked. Said he knew what he would ask. He knew, he knew, God knew she wouldn't ask for a million dollars or new home. He knew what he would ask. she'd ask for, her two sons. So therefore, he gave it there. She could have asked, but God knew what she was asked for. And, and he said, he said there, um, then by the will of God and by the power of God, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ your desire. And her two boys shook under the power of God and the whole building trembled and banks fell and just played and Shelby grabbed and Hattie screamed until you could hear her for two blocks. That's what happened in a third pool ministry. Amen. Oh, I know we want to point out, well, when Jesus opened the book and, you know, and that was the greatest anointing ever gave and just precious words proceeded out of his mouth. But when the third pull there was manifested to a human being, a super anointing came over there and a woman screamed out, rejoicing. That could have been heard for two blocks. You can't put God in your little box. I'm not saying you got to scream. I'm not saying you got to dance. But don't put him in your little box and say we can't. Because if you experience what I experience, if you know what I know, if you have happened to you what has happened to me, you'd be shouting too. Come on. Amen. That's exactly right. Now, Brother Branham, after that experience, he would, he would go back and look in the Bible and he said, look at, look at, look at Caleb there saying, you know, I, I'm 80 years old. Joshua put this sword in my hand 40 years ago and I'm just as good a man today as I was then. And, and Brother Branham said, God be merciful to me. I'll see examples in the Bible. And he said, I took my wife by the hand across this Bible and her little Bible and I said, honey, I have been too negative. The Holy Spirit condemns me. When I said I think of them squirrels out yonder, I think of Hattie Wright back there and these little boys. I think of what God did showing he was God that could create. Hallelujah. I thought 
He told, he told me that years ago, I'll not leave you. I'll never forsake you. No man will stand before you all the days of your life. I'll be with you. And from this hand of discernment, I come to know that you'll know the secrets of the heart. And, and, and after that, it'll raise higher and higher. And a, a year after that proved perfect around the world, and here comes this other great ministry far beyond it. I said, honey, I take your hand. By God's help and grace, let me never be negative again. Let me walk forth to this revival here to preach like never before. Let me go here to sanctify myself and make a way from the people from that my own sins, my own neglecting will be under the blood, my own shortcomings be under the blood that I might walk out and say, follow me, people. That's right. I hate to see a guy that said, you go do it. I hate to see somebody that, but I like to see somebody that will lead the way. You see, at some point, you got to stop the negativity. Amen. It ain't even spiritual to be able to find something negative about somebody else. You're just fulfilling the job of the accuser of the brethren. So don't judge your spirituality on your criticism. Now, watch this for a moment. Brother Brandon said, it's strange that this is taught to people. They say, well, I'm weak. You know, a lot of people think that's spiritual. That's real humble. I'm going to be humble. I, I, I'm just a poor old weak Christian. Just barely make it. Don't, 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 don't nobody think nothing of me. I don't. You talk me into it. If you think that about yourself, it's probably true. (laughs) Well, I'm weak. You know, there's many of you are so negative about yourself. You look at yourself and your shortcomings and and whatever. And, and, you know, I, I heard of a blind woman. And she got her sight. Uh, something happened. She actually raised this window up and thought she had latched it and popped her on the head and her sight came. And she hadn't seen herself in 20 years. And she went and looked in the mirror at herself and all she could see was one great big old nose out there. And she thought she was so ugly because of this big old nose. And after a while, she began to realize her nose wasn't any different from anybody else's. But you see, that's the way it is sometimes. You know, we look there and we find some little blemish, some little flaw, or I'm not this, or some inadequacy. You've got to realize, friends, yes, you've got inadequacies. But you see, grace makes up for those inadequacies. Amen. Listen, when Abraham lied, oh, God, help me as I go here for a minute. When Abraham lied, Abimelech had to get him to come pray for him. The man who just lied to him because God said, that's my prophet. And you are cursed until he prays for you. You mean a man that just lied to me? Yes, that's my prophet. 
I still respect his office. I still respect his gift. And besides that, he's under a blood sacrifice. Take that, devil. They did this. They did that. They did this. But we still got the power to tell you to leave, devil. We still got the power to cast you out. To cast down your reason, to cast down your doubting, to cast down your fear. Well, I'm weak. My faith isn't very much. I'm not a very good Christian. That's just what the devil wants you to say. You're just talking his language right then. You must never say that. Don't never let your testimony be negative. Let it be positive all the time. I'm saved. Amen. I I have God in my heart. Amen. I believe him with all my heart. Do you believe in divine healing with all my heart? Let your testimony and always your thoughts and everything never permit a negative thought to come in your mind if you can help it. And when it starts that, don't entertain it. Entertain angels. Entertain the word. Entertain the thoughts of God. But don't entertain the negativity. You say, well, I can't help them thoughts from coming. Well, be like the farmer that said he couldn't stop the birds from flying over his place, but he is sure stop them from roosting. Amen. So that's a good thing. You can't help the thoughts when they come, but don't entertain them. Just pass it on. No, Jesus is my Savior. All things are mine by God, and I'm going to keep them, and I'm going to testify them. And God can only bless you as you confess he's done it for you. Amen. He can only bless you as you confess. So I confess I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm free from bondage, I'm free from that complex, I'm free from family traits, I'm free from the past, I'm free from sin, I am a child of the most high God, I can walk through this world with my shoulders back and my head held high. But all true men of God and women of God have these moments where like Sarah, we get frustrated and we doubt. And it seems like the longer the wait, the more opportunity is given to doubt and disbelieve the promises. We will get stirred enough to hope for deliverance and then go back into despair. And we will give lip service and a mental assent to the promise for healing our deliverance, but in our heart, we begin to doubt. We doubt and don't realize our position in Christ. It's like Sarah doubted her position in the family of Abraham. Yes, we want the position of being the bride of Christ, but we don't believe we are what he said we are. That we are the super church. The word said of us, there's been brides, brides, churches, churches, brides, brides, but there's got to come one. Hallelujah, there's got to come a real bride. There was, must be one come that's not only the mechanics, but the dynamics of it that makes the church live and move in power of his resurrection. See, but 
We are sometimes very content and satisfied having the, the, the mechanics and the doctrines and the mystery truths, but never take our position of authority that goes with it. You know, there, there again, you know, he, he tells Moses when he comes to an obstacle. Did you ever notice when God t- told him, said, uh, and, and he goes down to Egypt, said, now you will go down to Egypt and you will bring these people out and you will come back here and worship me here on this mountain. Hello? Do you realize he just told Moses his destiny? That you're going to be successful in what you're going to do? That no weapon formed against you is going to prosper? That I have set your destiny for you to go there and bring these people back to this mountain? Amen. So what did Moses do? Plagues got, Pharaoh got in the way, he called down plagues. Amen. He tormented the devil until the devil said, get out. Come on, it's time you turn the table on the devil. He's tormented you enough. He's told you how unworthy you are, how no good, how unfit, how impossible it is for you to be the bride of Christ. He's told you all of these things. But God said, you're gonna be in a meeting in the air. And I'm anointing you by a prophet to sit on the throne. Do you realize, come on church, Amen. If a Red Sea got in his way, he wasn't to cry out to God and say, God, why did you get me in this horrible jam? You didn't tell me I was going to have a Red Sea in my way, an impossible situation. God had said, I'm going to bring you back to this place. He didn't say, he didn't tell him the obstacles. He just said, I'm going to do it. Now, what was Moses to do? God said, why are you crying to me? Haven't I told you? Haven't I shown you my power? Haven't I, dis- I, haven't I shown you my love? Haven't I shown you my grace? Then speak. You see, you're crying, you're mourning, you're saying the wrong things to God. Quit saying that and speak positive. Go calling for impossibilities to become possibilities. East wind flow from this way. West wind blow this way. You know, move the Red Sea. Make a path right through it. Remember, is speak and go forward. But instead of speaking the word, we speak the problem. Oh, the Egyptians, they're right here on our trail. They're coming to kill us and they're mad now. We, you know, all the firstborn are dead. They're armed. They got their chariots. They got their best men. They're going to kill us all. Look here. We're hemmed in this mountain this way and this mountain and this sea and the other. It's impossible. God said go forward. I'm telling you this morning, I don't care what your impossibilities are. Go forward to your promise. Amen. You might be barren like Sarah was, but go forward to your promise. You may be unable to do it, but go forward to your promise. You may be a barren soul or a barren church, but go forward to your promise. You can have revival. You can have the Spirit of God move. You see, in your tongue is the power of binding or loosing. Jesus said, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Your words or even an unspoken attitude can bind the promises of God and make them ineffective for you. Or your words can release the promises of God to you. God told Moses to speak to the rock. Instead of obeying, Moses spoke to the people and called them rebellious. You see, God said to Moses, speak to the rock get the, and get the answer. Instead, Moses spoke the problem. And because of that, he didn't enter the promised land. What Moses did is an example of idle words. Instead of using his words to work for him and get an answer, Moses spoke the problem and didn't enter into the promised land. So I want to ask you, are you speaking the word of promise or are you speaking your problem? Which one is bigger to you? Which one is God to you? Come on, you make the medical report, you're God. The medical, uh, the medical report said this said that. Statistics said this, that. You make it all of that God. Make the word God. Put him in his proper place. Brother Brandon said, when you get to thinking about divine healing, get to thinking about Christ, keep him on your mind. If there be any praise, any virtue, the Bible said, think on these things. And if any thought comes by, well, maybe it couldn't be so. Maybe get your mind off your mind right quick. Think on things that's positive. Never let a negative thought pass through. Don't let it stop anyhow if it starts to. Keep your thoughts positive. Jesus. Don't think sitting in a wheelchair that you're hopeless and helpless. You are not. Don't let that negative thought ever pass through. Don't let it anchor. You can't help from it going to your mind, but don't let it stop. Amen. And he said, like the birds, he said, the farmer keeping the birds away. He said, take a double-barrel shotgun. You know what you need to do every morning is load your gun. Amen. It's got two barrels, Old and New Testament. Take a promise from each one of them and arm yourself. And when the devil comes by, burn his hide. Amen. It's time you put the enemy on the run instead of running from your enemy. Amen. Brother Brandon said, there's no negative thoughts at all in Christianity. Everything is past tense. It's already finished. Healing's not what a man can do. It's what God's done. It's a finished work. Salvation's not what a man can do or what the church can do. It's a finished work. And your faith in that finished work that Christ completed everything that was brought before the uh, Brought in the fall, Christ redeemed it back in his atoning death, vicarious suffering at Christ. So you see, there again, we, we got to change our thinking. And some of us are worse about this than others, just by nature, just by nature. You're maybe born with your nature that way. Some are melancholy by nature. And it seems... And really it seems sometimes that the more spiritual and gifted that, that we are, the more we realize our inadequacies because the devil sure knows how to point them out. And just like Sarah, we look at the circumstances. I'm too old. Abraham's too old. 
if, if this was really going to happen, why didn't it happen years ago when we were young? You know, we can't have a true Pentecostal experience and so we can be happy with just an intellectual conception, just giving a mental assent to the truth. You know, God's never going to move. But God is going to prove to his elect in this day that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. And he was challenging Sarah to start believing that God is faithful. That he's a faithful God. Amen. That he saves, that he feels, and that he can do exactly like he did at Pentecost. And he gives overcoming power. Wow, you said, Brother Tim, you speak about that a lot. Well, Brother Brandon said himself, God help me, if I die a pauper in the pulpit, I'll speak of the original rock, I'll speak of the original experience, I'll speak of the original scriptures that give them the baptism of the Holy Ghost, repent every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the ever-present of the flowing waters from the rock is still with us. It'll bring forth the same thing. It'll bring forth visions. It'll bring forth healings. It'll bring forth prophecy. It'll bring everything it did. But our unbelief and our down deep heart confession is the main cause of our sin. And if it wasn't for grace, God would just abandon his program. But he can't go back on his word. Amen, because our unbelief would send us to hell. Listen, God is so holy. Brother Bram describes him that if there was a hundred billion sons looked toward him or or was was there in the eternity, way back in eternity, he said, when a hundred billion sons would look back to him. That's how holy he is. Where angels look dirty in his sight, that's Jehovah. Amen. And still he become a little baby over a manure pile in a manger. And that's still Jehovah. And he's here. He's here tonight through his grace and through his blood. And he cleanses his church and puts us in a position to receive all these blessings that he paid for. So therefore, we've got to realize, friends, that yeah, angels even look dirty in his sight. But he's got a blood covering for you. Yes, he knows your thoughts. This is why we need rapture and grace. This is why we need the mercies of God. Otherwise, listen, with the demon spirits of unbelief that has been released in this day, we would all be unbelievers. But God has predestinated us that we're not going to go through the tribulation. So therefore, he's turned us from every imperfection to bring us into a perfect place for a perfect rapture. Amen. As I listen to sermons of Brother Branham's, I often would hear him say, he would pray, God, forgive me of my sins. I know it wasn't drinking or porn or adultery, but just unbelief, our own human weakness, our inabilities to grasp the promise of God. I want to emphasize this moment. We take the scripture that said, Paul said, I keep my body under subjection that after preaching to others that I would become a castaway. And a lot of people are worried about becoming a castaway. Somehow, you know, if I fail, if I, the flesh gets in the way, God's going to cast me away. God cannot cast you away. 
Get that thought out of your mind. He cannot cast you away. He can remold you and remake you, but he'll never throw the clay away. Come on now. Now, Paul wouldn't say, now, I keep my body under subjection or else I'm going to be lost. I, I, you know, a lot of people say, am I going to be the Judas? Am I going to be the betrayer? Am I, I I'm scared I'll, I'll turn out, I'll turn out and I'll be the, I'll be the next Judas. I'll be the next betrayer. I'll, I'll fail somehow. Don't think that. Because Paul wouldn't say in that. You're going to be a castaway. You're going to be like Judas. Be cast away. But rather, where God can't use us. Well, poor old Judas, listen, poor old nothing. He had opportunity to repent. And you got opportunity to repent. And you may have been a Judas, but you don't have to remain a Judas. How many times is it that God can't use us because of our unbelief? You have to keep your thoughts under subjection or God's not going to be able to use you. In other words, he'll have to set you aside until you come back to believing again. Now, you know, even the greatest of men have worried and wrestled with the thought of, or the fear of being an impersonator. I'm afraid I'll just be an impersonator. You're not. And yet you say, well, I know his presence. Like Brother Branham said, you know, they, they, they tried to tell him, you're just an impersonator too. That's what you are, Brother Branham. You're just trying to uh, impersonate something. And he said, I know his presence and I know I love him. And how could I be a devil and, and love the Lord Jesus the way I do? How could my heart bleed for him? And he knows my heart. And that's what I say. You know your heart. Your heart bleeds for him. You love him. How could you be a Judas and love him the way you do? How could you be a failure and yet you love him the way you love him? He's not going to turn you away. He put that love in your heart. Now, sure, we ask for things. And Brother Branham said himself, I pray many times. And he said, I feel like an orphan. Because there's sometimes I have to solve things out by myself. And he said, I, I, I'm looking at something here and he won't give me a vision and he, and, and I, and he just lets me alone and I'm sitting as an orphan like this morning and I don't know which way to turn. So I've committed it to the Lord. Do you realize we know we get in that situation. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know what to do. But we know this, if we'll keep our hearts right, God will lead us. If we'll be positive about who we are in Christ, God will give direction for our lives. Like I said, many will struggle with, a, with that melancholy nature of these demons that attack us with anxiety and worry and depression. There's many prophets of the Bibles that was of that temperament. So don't take any offense to it. And it can be a weakness. And it can get you in trouble. It can make you a castaway, not in a bad sense that you're lost, but where God can't use you. Because you took too much emphasis on your weakness instead of the emphasis on his power. 
But you see, if you'll surrender that to God, your nature to God, you'll be sensitive to the Spirit and leaning on Him and looking to Him to, to, to Him for guidance. But if it's been in the wrong direction, you'll always be timid and lack that holy boldness to make the necessary steps. So you'll always have to fight against these thoughts. Every one of us, you're going to fight against thoughts of unworthiness. Or I'm going to be a failure, or I'm going to be a Judas, or I'm going to be a betrayer. I just encourage you this morning, just fall in love with Jesus with all your heart. But even more than that, accept his love. He will not cast you away to hell. You are saved, never to be lost again. Come on, church. You're sealed by his spirit and there's nothing the devil can do to unseal you. You know, checking your life over and over and over and over is good, but I'm just gonna tell you, God don't want his sons and daughters living at the altar. Checking your life over and over, living with condemnation, but he wants you to live above the altar. My goal in preaching is never just to get you to the altar. Sure, if you need to come to the altar, get there, get that settled. But after that, rise above the altar. You see, live above the altar and walk in obedience with power. Let me ask you something. Would you want your children, I'm on overtime, I'm sorry, I was gonna be good today. But would you want your children living in fear that any time they displease you in some small way that you're going to quit loving them? That you're going to kick them out of the house? You're going to abandon your responsibility as a parent to them? No, I assure you, you wouldn't want that. And neither was, does God want that kind of relationship between his sons and daughters. He wants you walking with your head up, confident in his love, Assure that he loves you. Come on, somebody. That he will never leave you or forsake you. That even in your darkest trial, he's going to go with you. Amen. If necessary, he'll carry you. But he's not going to abandon you. Amen. If necessary, he'll correct you like you will your children. But cast you away. Never. You would be grieved if you thought your children thought that of you. So does it grieve the heart of God when we act or pray in unbelief. Quit asking God, well, God, won't you just kill me? If I'm gonna be a failure, just just kill me. Would you want your children saying that? Confess rather your sonship. Jesus taught us to pray like this when he told us how we were to come. Come boldly. Before the throne of grace. Amen. Come boldly before the throne of grace. That you'll find help in your time of need. I've got grandkids that come boldly into my office. They know Papa's got some chocolate back there. And they come for their little, their little gift of chocolate every service. Yeah. Because why? Of a position. Amen. I may be pastor. I may be head of the church. This may be my private office. I may be busy, but they're my grandkids. Yeah. 
Amen. Come on now. You're God's children. He may be busy. He may be God. He may be holy. He may be all of that. But you're his children. Come boldly. Before what? A throne of grace. For it's there you will find help. Not rejection. Help. In your time of need. They don't come down sneaking and, you know, well, is he going to kick me out this time? And what's he going to do? You know, is he going to roll me up like a ball and kick me down the hall? Is he going to say, get out? My grandkids don't do that. They come in boldly. I'm trying to tell you to do like that. Come boldly before the throne of God. Confess your, son, your sonship. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. In the example prayer, he said, you pray this way. Our Father. What is that relationship? So that's the first approach to God is acknowledging relationship between a son or a daughter and a father. And what's he say about being a father? He said, if I know how good, if you being evil or being human, being, being a human, know how to give good things to your children, won't the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to anyone that asks it? He's not going to give you something evil in return. He's going to bless you every way he can. Watch now. So he said, Jesus taught us, say our father. Began every prayer recognizing, acknowledging God is our father. And I want to say he's a good father. We're positioning ourselves as sons. That's relationship. Even in the story of the prodigal, the father never rejected the wayward son. He never, he never downgraded him to a servant status. In fact, when he came back into his presence, he put him back in position as a son, put a kingly garment upon him and a ring on his finger and placed him in authority and threw a party for him. God's going to bring a party when you recognize yourself as a son. We're going to have celebrations because you're going to start having victory after victory after victory because of the ring of authority on your finger. Dressing yourself as a son and taking your position. Amen. This declares the restoration to sonship is the heart of God. Then he said, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What is this? Worship in him. And acknowledging him as king. With supreme power over everything. So you come to him as a king. Knowing you can't ask too much of a king. Declaring you want his will. And submitting to his will. And then saying. Making your petitions known. Give us this day. Our daily bread. And this is a confidence. The Bible says that we have in him. If we ask anything. According to his will. And I want to say. His will is his word. If he says in his word. He'll bless the barren women with children. That's his will. That's his vision for you. 
If he says he'll bless you coming in and going out, that's his vision for you. If he said, I'll bless you in the field or I'll bless you there in the city, that's his vision for you. So it's not hard to start praying the will of God and asking for the blessings of God because I know if I ask anything according to his will, he's going to do it. He wants to heal me. He wants to deliver me. He wants to save. He wants to elevate me. And then, Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. Let me offer the same thing that I receive to others. Lead me not into temptation. Don't ask to be tried. Don't ask for temptation. But deliver me from the evil. Put your protection around me. I need it, Lord. I don't want to walk another step without you. I can't find the way alone. And then you come right down there as you come to the end of your prayer. And you say, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, unending. Let's stand together. I want you to walk in victory with a mindset of victory. I want you to walk in faith without doubting him. About wondering whether he's a bad father, whether he'll fail you or cast you away. Your earthly father may have abandoned you. He may have treated you like trash and said every kind of negative thing about you. Maybe you've lived under that lie. But don't believe it no more. You've got a new father. And here is his words. They're exceeding great and precious promises. He'll be a father to the fatherless. He'll be a lover to those who need love. He'll give grace and strength to the weary. He's there for you. He cares for you. But you've got to care enough to receive his care. I want you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. And I want you to separate from your your feelings, from your faith. You may not feel like a conqueror. You may not feel well. You may not feel worthy. But I want you to separate right now your feelings from your faith. And I want you to accept what he's offered to you freely. And I want you to say, God, I've been too negative. Lord, I haven't expected blessings. I didn't feel like I was worthy enough. I didn't really feel like I was good enough. Maybe it's for others, but I'll never get it. Maybe I've had a little bit of an Eeyore attitude and oh, nothing good's ever going to happen to me. and Everything bad always happens to me. I want you to start looking that your future is going to be better than your past. That your past failures, that from this day on, you're going to walk in victory. That you're going to go from victory to victory. You're going to see the glory of God in your life. I'm prophesying over you now. You're going to see his blessings upon you. You're going to see grace upon grace. Come down on your life in favor like has never been seen before. He is going to bless you in your home. He's going to bless you in your family. He's going to bless your marriage. He's going to bless your children. He's going to bless you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's going to bless you with health in your body, with strength, with courage and faith and ability. I speak these words over you in the name of Jesus Christ. And if I were you right now, I'd receive it. In Jesus' name, raise your hands to God and say, Lord, that's me. 
I accept it, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. from 